Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Endeavor Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Bradkoff. Today we've got another in our series on hacking your own SAT program. I'm speaking once again with uh, Neil Cowan, CEO of Chiton. And today we're talking about uh, teaching the reading section of the SAT. And uh, we had a great conversation, and as always, I love talking with Neil. So uh, why don't we get straight to it? Neil, take it away. Welcome back to How to Hack Your Own SAT Program. Uh, here's always, Neil and Jason. Um, gonna talk to you a little bit today about uh, further uh, getting into curriculum. So we're gonna specifically talk about the verbal section of the SAT. Um, for those watching, what you should hope to get out of this is a deeper understanding of kind of how the verbal section is set up and how you should maybe kind of frame your program when teaching this for students. Um, so again, similar to the question we asked in the math program, Jason, but what is, you know, kind of thinking again about the context of the test makers, right? So what is their perspective? What is their expectation uh, that students have in terms of competencies or in terms of skills related to kind of their verbal skills coming into this, right? Like what should they, what they, what should they be coming equipped to or coming so equipped with? The first thing to look at is what the College Board calls the verbal section. And it used to be, you know, for a lot of the parents, teachers, guidance counselors, school administrators watching this, as Neil's alluded to in previous videos, we all took the SAT in the 70s, 80s, 90s, maybe early 2000s. Uh, so it was called the verbal section back then, and it's not anymore. Mm -hmm. The current name for it is the Evidence-Based Reading and Writing. Mm -hmm. And as always, once again, I'm using my favorite prop, the official SAT study guide book uh, for the listeners of the podcast at home. I'm holding that up. So that gives us a major clue as to what they're looking for. Right. Uh, they're looking at in both the reading section and the grammar-based writing section, mm -hmm. the two sections that equally make up that verbal score. Mm -hmm. They're looking for evidenced, evidence-based expertise. Okay. So the ability to read critically, mm -hmm. not just the ability to read, but to read critically to break down a text and mine it for evidence. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. So now, now one thing though that we're hearing from you know, whether it's parents or whether it's school administrators is the, you know, kind of lack of focus or lack of uh, attention paid to grammar, right? Mm. So, you know, I think, you know, for a lot of us who, you know, again, took our or were in school many moons ago, you know, we're used to the Warner's grammar book and, you know, kind of piling through that thing. And, you know, today that's just not occurring for the most part in schools today. I mean, there's some, obviously there's some focus in on it, but how do you address that with the test here? Or what are, how are the test makers addressing that? How should schools look at that? So when you look at the grammar-based writing section, and they call it a writing section even though the students don't actually do any writing, that's the essay and that's separate, um, the, the grammar skills are actually very basic. Okay. So it is my opinion, based on my observation from working with students on the writing section over the last 10, 12 years, that extra grammar instruction is not really necessary. Mm -hmm. That most students will pick up the basics if they are native English speakers, if they've grown up in the United States, if they've attended American public schools from kindergarten to 10th, 11th, 12th grade, they've got the basics down. Yep. They have them down even unwittingly. They've been speaking with their peers, speaking with adults, parents, teachers, other authority figures. They've been writing since grade school, learning how to write, maybe taking 
specific grammar instruction in the in their elementary school. In fact, I know of a high school uh, that gives a grammar uh, boot camp to all of their freshmen. Yeah. There's a high school up near where I live that does that. And there are other schools that do that. So between all of that, most students should have the grammar skills they need. Mm -hmm. It's the evidence-based part of it. Mm -hmm. It's what is the point of this paragraph? Mm -hmm. What purpose does this serve? Mm -hmm. What is the author trying to accomplish? That more critical, analytical thinking that the college board is more interested in. Okay. So just like when we were talking about the math, how many parents, teachers, administrators, guidance counselors are surprised that so much of the math on the SAT part is from middle school. Yeah. The same thing applies here with both the reading and the grammar, that a lot of the skills are not high-level, super advanced grammar. It's not like the grammar that students learn when they're taking a foreign language. Right. If, a, right. if a student is taking Chinese or Spanish or French and they're really drilling on grammar skills, you don't do that in English class in high school. Exactly. You're reading The Great Gatsby. You're yeah. reading The Scarlet Letter yep. and really understanding what the story is and how to take apart a text and find the subtext yep. and the themes. And that's what they're more interested in on the SAT. I think that's a, a great distinction. Um, so uh, when we're thinking about the, uh, what students struggle with, right? So mm -hmm. when you're thinking about this test and you're thinking about test prep, what are they struggling with? So there, are, and I hope we get a chance to talk in more detail about the writing section in another video because I want to focus more on the reading section. Yep, let's do that. Right now, because I think that's where we can talk about struggles. The reading section is an area where a lot of students struggle even if they do well in school. Mm -hmm. And that has to do with the way the passages are set up. Yes. Um, you know, whether you're a fan of The Great Gatsby or The Scarlet Letter or whatever book you're reading in yeah. school, English classes tend to focus more on literature because it's uh, there's a story, so it's easier to get the students' interest involved. It's easier to teach things like how to find a main idea, how to identify theme, mm -hmm. how to look for subtext and draw conclusions with literature. Mm -hmm. It's easier to do that, which is why most schools uh, have English classes that focus on literature, mm -hmm. although they, a lot of them will do uh, nonfiction as well. But it, literature makes it easier to teach the subjects. And that's not to say that it's easy, just easier. Mm -hmm. Only one of the five passages on the SAT is literature, and most students, not all, yeah. but most will tell me that that's the passage they find easiest. Mm -hmm. So it's the four uh, nonfiction passages, two of which are on social studies topics, and two of which are on science topics that students find incredibly difficult. They're yeah. dense, they tend to be boring. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. And again, you do, I don't wanna to lie to my students. I, I, I tell them flat out, yes, we know that they're boring. I'm not here to lie to you and, and, make, and, and, and trick you into thinking that it's gonna be interesting. They choose passages that are uh, boring to most people, in my opinion, on purpose. It's my theory that they're not gonna pick a passage on baseball or your favorite movie because people might find it interesting and some people have an advantage over others. They want yeah. to make it equally boring for everybody. And that sounds terrible. It sounds funny. Like I'm making a joke. And, you know, it's funny. But they make it equally boring for everybody. So well, they'll and, do and the reason I'm just kind of laughing a little bit more is just, you know, because we work, after working with so many parents, it's like the nightmare scenario for parents is, uh, why don't you go ahead and try this reading comprehension uh, section, right? And, and parents just... We all relate. Like those are the parts of the SAT where we're all just shaking our head. Like, thank God, I'm done with this exam. So yeah, it's it's yeah. A, it's a battle. It is. So that's the biggest struggle is dealing with a passage that is incredibly long. Most of these passages 
Uh, if you put them into a paperback, it would be two to three pages long. Mm -hmm. You're expected to read two to three pages and then answer nine, 10, 11, 12 questions in about 10 minutes. Yeah. On average, 10 to 13 minutes. And that's just not the way people read. Like if you think as an adult, when you're given something to read for work, you sit down, you read it, you take some notes, you take your time, you really like, you go, I wanna read that part again because I wanna really make sure I understand. And you take the time to really do it right. Yep. It takes the time it takes. And we give most adults the time that they need in their jobs yep. to read things carefully, to write things carefully. And this SAT is a timed test. And the timing mechanism for all these standardized tests is on the edge of cruel, in my opinion. Yep. So that's, and there's a reason why it is that way. Colleges want to see students handle pressure. So I understand why they do it. But it's hard. So that's the biggest part is getting through this dense material in a, a, a very limited amount of time and, and able to glean the little tidbits of fact from it. In other words, uh, I call haystacking, like you're looking for a needle in a haystack. Yeah. That's okay. the hard part for me. Okay. Okay. Um, so when you think, though, about, um, I guess, your favorite strategy, right? Mm -hmm. so, so let's kind of jump into that because I'm thinking, sure. do we want to cover writing? We can hold off on that. Um, yeah. But, you know, so, so when you're thinking about this specific section related to the evidence-based reading, what's your favorite strategy? So uh, when you think about reading, there's two, the reading section, I mean, there's two parts of it. One is how do I get through the passage and how do I get through the questions? Yep. And so the strategies for the reading section kind of come in two parts. Mm -hmm. So there's, a, there's an overall strategy and then there's the different parts of it. So I'm gonna pick out one part okay. that I find to be probably the most important okay. and I call it the question strategy or the question step yep. in the strategies. Do you mind signposting so people can know where Absolutely. to go? So once again, I'm in the official SAT study guide. I'm in part two, evidence-based reading we'll do and our writing. best to put it up on the screen. Yep. Great. You're going to do a great job, I'm sure. But I'm in chapter nine, and uh, the passage I'm looking at is on pages 76 to 77. It's a social studies passage, and the question I'm looking at is question number seven, which is on page 80. So the question reads, in lines 46 to 50, from prosecutions to the word sense, what is the most likely reason Jordan draws a distinction between two types of quote, parties, unquote. So you may have paused the video or the audio podcast and gone back to read this passage. You probably have not. It's okay. The idea is not that you're an expert in this passage. The idea is we're going to look at this question and we're going to look at the best way to break it apart and figure out what the college board really wants us to do with this question. And in our strategy, we want you to find the hint or clue in the question, we call that the spy. So to make it a little bit more fun for students, we give it kind of this like secret agent terminology. Um, and we kind of go through that with many of the strategies and use that terminology to make it a little bit more interesting. But the idea is you want to find this hint or clue, the spy in the question, that is going to help you figure out what to look for. Now we know where to look. They tell us in the question, in lines 46 through 50. So we know the answer is somewhere around there in the passage and we can get to that. But what are we really looking for? What is the most likely reason Jordan draws a distinction between two types of parties? Okay. So for me, I'm thinking about what are they really asking us to look for? For me, distinction, two types. Two types of whatever is not the most important part. But a distinction between two things. 
Why does she do that? What is her purpose in doing that? And that's where the question usually breaks down to. Why is the author doing this? What are they trying to get out of it? What are they trying to do? What are they trying to convince you? And then I can go back to the passage and find that answer to that question. Once I break that question down to its most essential parts, mm -hmm. now I know what to look for. If I still try to take it like all oh, this most likely reason, there's too many words in these questions. They're designed to be tricky and overwhelming. Break it down to its essential parts. That's the question strategy. Got it. Okay. Excellent. Anything else related to evidence-based reading? Again, there's so much to do. Um, there's a whole series of strategies. I know we're going to go through that, yep. you know, with the articles yep. and a lot of the more videos in the future and, and posting uh, a syllabus and things like that. So I really don't want to like kind of list things out because I think yep. that I don't think that would be like a list of things is not productive for right. for folks watching at home or listening at home. Yeah. So what Jason's uh, alluding to is um, if you kind of look below, we're going to have a link to the article there that actually gives an example syllabus um, or example topics to cover in your classes related to evidence-based reading. So, you know, kind of turnkey for you to go ahead and use in your own class. Uh, the second thing he's also alluding to is that we've got a number of videos uh, related to just our strategies that are completely free that you can review. Um, so those are available to you and it's got all, like, so, so the spy method, secret agent, zigzag, route 66. We got all these types of uh, fun, uh, uh, interesting named strategies that you can go ahead and use, learn, absorb, and teach to your students. So feel free to go ahead and do those. Um, one other thing before we kind of sign off here and um, would be, give us feedback, right? So if you want us to dive a little bit deeper into some of these areas or strategies, let us know. We're happy to post another video or another article on it. We really just want to make sure that you're finding these topics as useful as possible as you start to build your own program. All right. Thanks a lot. You're very welcome. Once again, Neil, thank you so much. That was a great conversation, and I hope the folks listening at home learned a lot. Uh, as we mentioned in the, in the episode a couple of times, there are videos available on our uh, YouTube page and on our Facebook page. So uh, I'm going to hope to get some links in the show notes eventually for that. Uh, I might not have them right away, but I will update them as I get them. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, as always, please like, star, favorite, heart, whatever uh, the podcast app of your choice uh, that you listen to uh, lets you do when you like something. You can always uh, share these episodes, hit that share sheet, and uh, tweet it out, Facebook link it. The episode will play pretty much on any platform, uh, and we, you know, we still get the numbers, so that's good too. And as always, please subscribe. Uh, that way you get episodes right away. We usually post them Tuesdays and Fridays. Last week was a little tough. I was teaching a boot camp uh, for SAT, so I fell a little bit behind, but we're going to have an extra episode this week. Uh, this is going to come out on a Tuesday, and I should have a bonus episode tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and as always, let's keep learning. <laughs>